and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is the very talented Bill Smitrovich. You can't even flip through the channels without seeing some of Bill's amazing work on TV. I mean, life goes on. He played the father, he drew for four seasons. Guest starred on a very memorable episode of Deep Space Nine, playing Webb. We talk about that. Hands down, it's one of the best episodes of Deep Space Nine of all time. All the other amazing shows that he, he's guest starred on, he was in The Last Ship, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, the list goes on and on. On the silver screen, the 10 movies, Independence Day, Nick of Time, Manhunter, The November Man. I mean, we can go on and on. Air Force One. Bill, such a nice guy. And he grew up in Connecticut, actually grew up not too far from where I live right now. We talk about that as well. And just talk about being quarantined and, you know, the state of the world right now. Super nice guy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm uh, just a morning here getting ready for the day, you know? Right. Yeah. Is, is your day pretty much same as yesterday, same as before? <laughs> uh, basically, I try to get out and play a little golf every now and then. Well, that's good. And I'm going to be doing that uh, shortly. Let me close this blind. And um, that's what I do, basically, on my spare time is uh, go out and play golf and uh, look for a job. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, enjoy myself. I've got a granddaughter who's five that I okay. love, uh, and uh, we're all here under the same roof. So, uh, throughout the whole uh, pandemic and more, so we're good. And you know, most actors are used to uh, <laughs> uh, downtime like this. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're we're kind of accustomed to being out of work. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Every a lot of people out there that that are suffering and suffering badly, and I really, 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 my heart. Oh, my heart goes out to all those folks who are uh, struggling financially, uh, health-wise. Have had this coronavirus turn their lives upside down and backwards again. Um, you know, it's affected all of us in some ways. None larger than the um, than the poor communities and uh, people that are living paycheck to paycheck that uh, don't have health insurance. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I, my heart bleeds for those people, and uh, I hope that uh, things will change. I hope this is a big wake up call for for everybody. I mean, the coronavirus uh, it kind of uh, demonstrates what we can do with and what we can do without and what is important to us and what's not so important you know what i mean yeah you know like like everyone else i've been home since you know over two months now with my, you know three kids my wife we decided to get a puppy during this time so i mean <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah it, you know it, it brings human family together you, you take walks you, you talk to people your neighbors that maybe you wouldn't have spoken to before this so it's right. it brings you know a sense of, of yeah, there's uh, there's another that's one yeah. of the benefits you know yeah and just uh, well, yeah that after this it stays that way you know, people just don't, yeah. just, you know, driving past your house, not looking, not waving, you know, it's, it's the, the little things, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It is the little things. And, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that. We've become so involved in, uh, you know, a lot of people are either involved in the market, you know, they're so like, oh, am I making so much money? And, yeah. and then it disappears or, uh, you know, and then other people who never had the money. Right. And, uh, uh, don't invest in the market, don't have the money to invest in the market. Uh, you know, the, but the country was built on the shoulders of these people. Right. And all the profits that, um, you know, all the corporations make are on the shoulders of the American working people. So yeah, my heart goes out to, to them. Right. Yeah. My, my, my paying job is I work for Yahoo finance. So we do like, uh, eight hours of coverage on the website. So 
you know, the market's doing well now, but it doesn't translate into the economy. And, you know, and right. yeah, and which companies are doing better, what you're getting bailouts. We can keep bailing out Boeing, but you're not going to bail out the American workers. Or the yeah, how about the Amer- bail out the American people? There you go. You know, do you that. You know, I read, a, uh, I read something, uh, you know, I don't know about, you know, everybody throws around numbers like, you know, they're facts, but this was supposed to be a fact. Yeah. You know, they throw out all the, the trillions of dollars that we've spent for this recovery. And they said that if they had taken all that recovery money and just gave it to American taxpayers, everybody would get $45,000. Perfect. And that would <laughs> help during this time. That would solve some problems, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like <laughs> my wife and I are both fortunate that, you know, she's a teacher, so she's you know, able to, I guess, quote unquote, from home, you know, not really much teaching going on. She'll, she'll admit that. What does she teach? What, what, what grade? Uh, kindergarten. What subject? Oh, kindergarten. Yeah. Oh, great. So yeah, she's been doing it for years now and it's, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, especially with the little ones, you know, being on the computer now and half the stuff that they kind of learned is going to be gone. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of these grades, if, if who knows, it kind of gets even going to start in the fall, you yeah. know, in person, it's going to be a lot of catching up, you know, I feel. So that's then, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe everybody skips a grade. What the hell? Yeah, might, might as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how long did you live in Trumbull for? Pardon me? How long did you live in Trumbull for? Oh, geez. I lived in almost every city in Fairfield County. I mean, <laughs> in my time, right. uh, Connecticut, uh, you know, I was born in Bridgeport and uh, lived on Williams. The uh, success, success Village, uh, we had a small little white house on Post Road. Okay. And, uh, and uh, then uh, we moved, uh, lived in Fairfield, uh, Indian Village on Papura Road. Okay. Uh, the uh, reservoir off Black Rock Turnpike. Yep. And uh, then we moved, and uh, my my uh, my dad uh, had asthma and uh, was looking for a better job in a in a more arid, uh, less humid climate. Uh, so we we moved, and we ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for about I don't know uh, three years or so. Okay. And then we decided to move again. Uh, he decided to move again. We moved to El Cajon, California, which is, I uh, lived there for about five or so years. Loved it there. Um, that was, uh, you know, Southern California in the 50s. It was great, you know. Uh, it was 1955 to 61. So it was fantastic. I had a great time there. And then we moved again, <laughs> moved back to Connecticut. Right. Lived on William Street in Bridgeport with my grandmother and my aunt and whole family and everything. And then uh, my dad got a job, another job. Uh, and then we moved to Stratford. <laughs> yep. And well, I went to Harding High School uh, when I lived with my grandmother. And then I went to uh, Stratford. We bought a house in Stratford. Went to Benel uh, for two years. Went to Housatonic Community College. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, well, my dad died when I was 17. I was in uh, high school in Stratford. Right. And um, I uh, decided I was a really good bowler and a very good pool player uh, when I was younger. And I had a, I was, you know, in, in California, uh, in California, I was part of the California, Southern California Junior All-Star Team. Okay. And I was uh, a San Diego County Junior Match Game Champion when I was 15, and I had a 190 average. So it was, it was a big deal when I came okay. out to Connecticut because 10-pin bowling had just started. So I looked like a phenom, right? <laughs> uh, so I... Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in bowling alleys and pool halls and 
in Connecticut, uh, met some great people and uh, who also we gambled and they people bet on me and blah, blah, blah. And so when my dad died, I decided to hit the road and me and a pal of mine, we hustled away across country, bowling and shooting pool. Took us about a month and uh, we had a good time in Oklahoma, but that was about the only time, good time we had. Right. And then uh, came back to Connecticut and um, got a job at Burnaby Corporation in Norwalk. And then I quit that and went to college. And that's when I lived in Trumbull. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've been here for, I guess, 13 years now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I've been in Connecticut for 20. I started working at ESPN. So I worked in uh, Bristol and lived in Bristol for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And the yeah Bristol, the home of ESPN. Yeah. And the running and the bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> the running joke of that is the best view of Bristol is in your rear view mirror. So then when I moved to uh, Stanford, right. yeah, then we moved to Stanford for about five years. And then eventually uh, now, and you know, the whole family's here. It's, uh, it's a nice community and it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's been uh, it's been fun. Well, you got three kids. You got to be in a community. It's uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And then the, the youngest is not. I'm glad you're getting to know your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. At, at least one of them I want to know. The other one, nothing to do with. <laughs> <You know. laughs> I hear you. We got we got one like that in my neighborhood too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they have like a trailer on their lawn. I swear, I think it's like a house for making meth. Like in Breaking Bad, oh. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's, it's it's pretty bad. But um, well, you ought to make friends then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, two of your roles are kind of coming true uh, during these times. Uh, the last ship where you played Eric Dane's father. They had a big pandemic. Mm. What's going on now? And then the aftermath. You can kind of point to uh, your guest starring role on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's, that seems to be a little bit closer to the pale than this, um, than the other. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that was, uh, both were uh, fascinating prophetic looks into the future. And uh, I, uh, hmm. Certainly, uh, both of them can be so uh, not only thought provoking, but give you a give you a heads up as to uh, what is possible and what has been possible and what it could create if left unchecked. And now, considering the current administration is dismembering any kind of um, oversight to what they're doing, uh, and then, you know, if you own all the chips and, you know, you're not sharing them with anybody, that, that's, that's what can happen. And, um, it's uh, it's a horrible thing. It's a disgusting mess. The inequality in this country, and um, that's where it all arises from. You know, all our all the fear that's put on us, all the hopes we have, all the hopes people have. You know, I'm pretty lucky. I'm an artist. Um, I took a gamble a long time ago, and in some ways, it paid off. You know, it's not easy. Right. And uh, it goes up and down. And especially when you have a family. I mean, it was it was very hard. It's very hard to make a commitment when when you're young and you're you're an artist or whatever you're doing, because you don't know what the future holds. And especially I tell all these, you know, I tell my students and people that I talk to, but it's you know, it's a selfish it's a selfish game and uh, not every uh, career or 
job is a selfish it's an art form it's unlike every any other art form um and it requires not only your ability to access everything that's inside of you when it's available but you have to have the ability to um not let expectations um, run your life, but what's happening in the now, in the present, is more important. So what we're learning now is what we'll take with us in the future whenever that opportunity comes to us. So, you know, we live on this, in this plane where we're kind of, um, outside of it looking at the human condition you know and i've been doing that for 40 years and uh <laughs> it's uh some of it's pretty pretty upsetting yeah um but i mean you know when you get it but the the, the relief the wonderful part of being an actor and an artist is to get to act on these um on your thoughts your your feelings your your emotions what you see around you and then you can formulate something that someone is giving you right. into a full three-dimensional character, you know? So it's pretty cool. Has there been like a character that you just couldn't grasp? You know, not, not was on paper, like, you know, he's an evil guy, but it was just the emotion, just the performance. I'll tell you, one of the hardest roles I've ever had, <clears throat> excuse me, I did a play <clears throat> with Josh Charles in San Francisco <clears throat> many years ago. It was called <clears throat> A Number, A Number by Carol Churchill. A very interesting play. Uh, Carol Churchill is, she's pretty, she's an English uh, playwright who's known for some pretty bizarre plays. But what she's also noted for is uh, writing without punctuation. And she writes in a in free free consciousness. I mean, she's just writing. No, no, no periods, no commas. And that is what I had to translate. Right. And it was only a two-character play. It was one act. It was an hour and 20 minutes. And it was the most difficult. I don't think I ever, ever got every line perfect on any night right. in that, during, during that performance. <laughs> it was just absolutely impossible for me to do. And I've done three act plays. I've done Skin of Our Teeth. I've done The Price. I've done, my God, uh, so many plays where I'm on stage, Frankie and Johnny, constantly. And you don't leave, uh, you know, American Buffalo, which we just did here um, like a few years ago, won the best production in L.A., thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, Mamet came to see it twice, we like that. But that play, a number in San Francisco, was so, so difficult. It was filled with emotion and, uh, and a lot of uh, intrigue. And, and things of this nature and uh, it moved very quickly and Josh had the the difficult but I would say more interesting role in that he played three different characters in an hour and 20 minutes where he made quick changes right. in blackouts where we worked it out it was just incredible and it was a rake stage it was very difficult the rake stage my legs hurt for weeks after that, but it's um, it was just that was it, man. I it, it haunts me that right. play, and um, it's a um, it's it's one in which I would wouldn't mind having again if they could give me a teleprompter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work in the theater though. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. What's your background? Are you uh, are you a theater guy? Or are you 
Are you a cinephile, a you know, like, audiophile? All, all of the above. Uh, I would probably say Video? no really disrespect to theater, but I haven't seen as many yeah. shows as I, as, I, as I should, you know. I think the, the, the last show I saw, <laughs> ironically, was the SpongeBob musical with my kids. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, yeah, it's no. Hey, it's expensive now to go to the theater in Broadway anyway. Yeah, but uh, there are plenty of uh, pretty great local theaters around you, and I, I, I'd suggest that you support them and take your children to go see Fantastic sometime. Right. Yeah. They. Um. I. I think my, my, the school has taken my my kids in, once a year. And they. Um, they yeah. Yeah. The, the in Westport they have the Newman Theater, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and then uh, and yeah, you know, the, uh, oh, it opens up kids' lives. I mean, yeah. uh, my 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 granddaughter Iris, we uh, they went to go see the her first play, and she it was just for days. You know, she's talking about it doing it, uh, but uh, it's what, uh, what show was it? Yeah, it's my first love. I mean, I started. Uh, the theater changed my life, and uh, um, Arthur Miller changed my life. That was my first equity credit, so that was astounding. Yeah. <laughs> it was a wonderful birth of uh, right. sort of a, uh, a, a baptism of fire, I would say. <laughs> is, is that your first love over like TV and movies? Pardon me? Is that your first love? over television and movies is the theater oh yeah yeah i love the theater I, you know but nothing like making a good film uh, and being on being on location somewhere i mean the last film great film uh made was the november man with pierce brosnan and uh we had such a great time together and uh in serbia and the strange thing was we we started that that film on our birthdays Okay. I'll we both have the same birthday. Okay. And uh which was odd. And uh it was um it was fantastic. Yeah. And we had a great time. I I got to um I bring my wife over at the end of the shoot and uh come to the rap party and then we we stayed there for another ten days and took a, a thousand kilometer trip through uh croatia which was just fantastic right. country and uh had a great time and it was a wonderful character it, uh i got to play this kind of duplicitous yeah bad guy i don't want to no no spoiler alerts <laughs> but here i'll just show you this is a painting that pierce gave me uh oh wow after we had wrapped he's a wonderful artist and uh, just, you know, my golf trophy, I'm very proud of. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> well, anyway, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, uh, starting with uh, Michael Mann and uh, film and television, that wasn't too bad either. So, Prime Story was been. I've been pretty blessed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do you, do you th I, ever seen Miami Vice the pilot? Years ago. My my that years was ago. that was my grandmother's favorite show was was Miami Vice. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe you just said that. My ears are like melting now. Yeah. My uh, grandmother's favorite show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I used to watch it with her too. It was, it was great. The, the music on that show was was fantastic, you know. And then um It was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. 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 With, with with Crime Story though, it only lasted a couple of seasons unfortunately. But do you think the way it was like kind of serialized kind of like hurt it? I think we should have stayed in Chicago. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dennis that both Dennis and I felt we should have stayed in Chicago. But the story went vague. There was nothing we could do about it. Um, that was the Bible of this show. Right. And uh, I thought some of our Vegas stuff was, was funny, but it was just an incredible departure from that dark noir feeling that Chicago had. And, uh, 
and it was very familiar the voices and everything you know it uh and las vegas was uh i mean that was a while ago so i mean you're talking vegas they did vegas a big favor by taking the show there i mean if i was shit if i was excuse me but if i was uh casino owners i'd get together and say let's keep the show in vegas right you know i mean come on but uh we loved it there. Our son was born there. Um, Sunrise Humana Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, shortly after the Giants won the Super Bowl. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a Jet fan. So then, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah. I, I suppose you're a Met, uh, a Yankee fan too. Yankee fan. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm a Met fan. Oh, okay. I was there. <laughs> I was uh, I was there in '86. I had uh, season tickets. Oh, nice. Uh, my a buddies of mine. We bought season tickets in '84. Okay. They were losing a hundred games. Right. And uh, it's like six of us went in with four tickets. And the next season, they sucked so bad that they changed our seats. They said, "We're going to give you better seats." <laughs> <laughs> because they were so they were available right so they gave us these great seats looking down the first baseline yeah. and we saw that thing go through buckner's legs and yeah. man we just flipped out it was what a game it was what a game it was my god you know that was <laughs> yeah that was i mean i was rooting for they were that year or oh, that everybody in the world i don't know yeah. everybody <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It was in Boston. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because in New York and New York and Boston, where like I am now, you were in Trumbull, maybe even like up to New Haven, it's kind of where the New York fandom ends and the, the Boston fandom begins. Because it's a lot of like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So it's a lot of, you know, that's right. a lot of, you know, both fan you know, fandoms over there. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah it's that's rough. It is, especially when you have the Patriots winning all those years. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when I was younger, you know, the Giants used to uh, work out in Fairfield. And uh, all the players used to go to Surfside. Okay. Uh, there's a club there. And, uh, you know, they're hanging out all the time. It was great. Right. You go there for drinks. There's the Giants. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was a great time of year. Kind of time to be alive there. Uh, Right, a lot, a lot happening. You know, a lot happening. Yeah. How often? So, do you cool. yeah. how, how not often? enough. Not enough. Yeah. <laughs> not enough. Uh, my uh, my sister Vicky, uh, she's uh, lives in Stratford. Okay. And right near around Sikorsky. All right. Yeah. And uh, and uh, she's been living there, you know, for a very very long time. Right. Um. And um, I have a nephew there, Timmy uh, Fennell, and uh, my uh, my uncles. Some of my my uncles and aunts lived there. Some of them passed. Missed them, and um, you know, it's uh, I I got a lot of buddies. I've got buddies from high school, right. from both high schools, mm -hmm. and uh, we've we've had uh, fifty year reunions, and uh, you know, we've all gone on to interesting things in our life i mean i, I who who would think that i was going to be playing football with a guy who speaks fluent mandarin wow. now and and has a a doctorate in chinese studies i mean who who would think that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh you know it's uh guys that died in vietnam and yeah. you know a lot of is a lot of ups and downs you know and, yeah uh at university of bridgeport you know uh took me I had to work my way through college so it's one one year I had to take off it took me six years okay but uh got it done. i got lucky one year yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i got lucky one year i worked at uh diamond shamrock chemical company okay they made plastic film they were in lordship and uh and I worked there for six months, and it was exactly the cutoff for unemployment. Oh. So I managed to get unemployment and go to school full time. Perfect. 
Don't tell anybody. I won't, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best years of my life. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So how did, um, how did the journey into theater begin? Oh, goodness. Um, University of Bridgeport. Um, I, um, I was kind of horsing around uh, in theater. Um, you know, somebody asked me to do a little play, and well, yeah, I kind of liked it. it. Was the Investigation by Peter Weiss, and I played this Nazi German officer. You know, and I had a kind of a speech I got up and did, and uh, I kind of got into it because it was, uh, you know, I said, "Well, what is what did this guy think? You know, this German officer? How how would he?" Uh, respond to this you know and it started me thinking about all kinds of things so i you know i did it it was fun and then uh we did it you know somebody else me being in another one so i did it and then somebody said oh you ought to go down and uh read for lenny and i thought they meant lenny bruce because i was right harlan uh lenny bruce uh you name it red fox rusty warren so uh, I go down there and they hand me of mice and men, and I'd never read. wasn't a big reader, and I'd never read any Steinbeck before, let alone of mice and men. So, are you familiar with the play, the, uh, the story? I never. I, the story, yes. I never. I never read it though. Okay, yeah. so you're familiar with the story. Yeah. So you know George and Lenny are itinerant farmers, and they're trying to make a living during the depression. And Lenny's um, challenged, mentally disabled. And um, so I read this, this story, this beautiful story about these two men. And uh, it's the first time I'd wept at a piece of literature in my life. I, I couldn't believe it. It moved me to tears. And, um, and I went, wow, what is this guy thinking? Wow, you know, and I, and let me preface this with, I was a minor in special education at the time. So this character kind of blew up in my head. I just, and and it was there that I had this epiphany, um, no doubt um, playing this character. And I went into audition for it and and I was very much into the role and, and I'm reading with the woman who played Curly's wife who I break her neck at one point, but I'm stroking her hair. And I'm doing the scene, and they started laughing. And I got very, very upset. I got emotional, and I said, what are you laughing at? This is a beautiful human being here. You have no reason to laugh at this. You shouldn't be directing this play. You know, I got very irate. And they said, no, 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 we're not laughing at you. We're laughing because we just found our Lenny. Wow. And I was blown away. Right. But we had a guest director at the time from the Sterling Barn Theater in Stanford. His name was Al Pia. He's a wonderful guy, since passed, taught at Stanford High School, started many career there. And um, he was marvelous. And uh, he taught me a lot about theater and stage movement and character work and how to break down a script. And and they gave me the best actor award that year. And we had a lot of press and we went on to do the play at Al's Theater in Stanford, and I met Morris Karnofsky, who was a great member of the group theater back in the WPA years with uh, Harold Clorman and Clifford Odets and John Garfield and a lot of people like that. So he taught me some things, and I was in one of his plays at the Sterling Barn Theater, and then a buddy of mine <coughs> tells me about <clears throat> he had gone to Smith College in Northampton Massachusetts for graduate school. Come in. And I uh, I said, well, I don't have the grades for Smith. <laughs> this college like Smith. He said, no, no, no. You just come down and you audition. And, you know, you see me, you can get in. So I went and auditioned and uh, they gave me a scholarship for two years and a stipend. Of, Are you talking to yourself? I'm talking to somebody on my, you want to say hello? Excuse me. Hello. 
No. You want me to turn the camera around? No. Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so uh, I went to Smith, and um, and it was another that was in '74, and um, uh, Morris was a great help. And then I met, uh, you know, I spent two great years at Smith and got my master's and started a theater company um, with some friends of mine there. We're also graduate students and. We did some theater in Northampton for a while, and I had glorious years there. Spent five years there, three years after I was done. Just loved it there. And uh, but we took a play of ours into New York, and I said, "Hey, if I'm going to give it a shot, I'm going to do it now. And if right. it doesn't happen, if nothing happens in ten years. I go back to Northampton and go back to bartending or something. I didn't know." What right. I was gonna do. So uh, we did and um, did the play. Was called the Elephant Man. It wasn't Elephant Man, the the one that you're aware of. But before that, before the guy had even written it, we were writing the Elephant Man. So we did it in Worcester Group uh, on Worcester Street. Performance Garage. Day. Those people were there. Elizabeth Comp, Willem Dafoe came later. But um, so I stayed in town, and then. Two years later, uh, started well. Right away, I started taking classes with Jack Garfine at the Harold Clorman Actors and Theaters Lab, and met Jack Garfine and studied with him. And he introduced me to Arthur Miller, and gave me and Dana Delaney, okay. who was in my class, uh, both an opportunity to audition for this new play that was being directed by Dan Sullivan, who have I been directed by now for that first of three times but dan is a one of the best if not the best broadway director now in the business and uh and it was quite an event so i went to um got my equity card went to spoledo festival with the play to premiere the world premiere i was understudying every male role in the show there were nine male roles. No, seven male roles, about 16 different characters. Because everybody played multiple characters except for the lead. Well, the lead went on opening night with 103, 104 temperature. Wow. His name was Peter Evans, and he was coming down with AIDS. And Peter didn't go on for the next two, three, and fourth performances, which were Saturday and a Sunday, two performances. Right. I went on for him. And it was, it was a success. I mean, I knew every word of that play. It was, I was so privileged to be there. And uh, I didn't disappoint. And word got out a little bit uh, locally and back to New York. And then when I got back to New York, things, things started to happen a little bit. You know, uh, I was getting bookings that I wasn't getting before. I was getting auditions that I wasn't getting before. And things started to build, you know. And um, I'd had, a, I had a little, uh, had a good television commercial career for a while too. So that was helping. And uh, so, you know, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> then I met Michael Mann and, and that was the first time I was recognized on the street. <laughs> what, what was it for that Atari Twenty Six Hundred commercial? Was that was it? No. <laughs> right? No, no, no. No, I I meant for a television show. No, I was right. recognized for commercials. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, uh, the um, no, the guy was a cab driver, and he was uh, coming back from I don't know something. Right. He said, hey, you were on that Miami Vice thing. Oh, you were a bad guy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. But like, what, um, of all, like, the roles, like, the guest starring roles, because you've done a ton of them, like, which one is your most memorable one? Hmm, guest star. Um, uh, I'd say uh, Deep Space Nine. 
Okay. Um, I mean, I that character. <laughs> I mean, when I did uh, when I did Ted one and two with uh, Seth. Right. First thing he said to me, he says, "You're Webb." Yeah. <laughs> You're Webb. He was. <laughs> <laughs> He was uh, he was really taken uh, with that. It's it's one of the top ten uh, DS9 episodes. Oh, without question. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I've got these cards too. They made up. They made up these cards. Let's see if I can. Oh, okay. Nice. You see? Yeah. That was a great, yeah. Michael Webb. Yeah. So hopefully I'm gonna get to uh I'm gonna get to Connecticut. Uh I was supposed to come to Connecticut in July to do a uh a, some kind of autograph show. Okay. But uh yeah, I don't know if they would probably have uh canceled that. I know they've canceled it. Yeah. But uh I'll get out there and when I get out there we'll have a cup of coffee together. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Or actually, about a pint. Yeah, <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah. So you do. You're probably one of the fortunate ones that you do guest starring role in Star Trek. You don't have to worry about getting made up as an alien, because I've had a couple of guest stars, or you know, who've done the show on. Oh, right. You know, some horror stories about the makeups on, on that show. So you, you love oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, never really. I never really spent a lot of time in the chair. Maybe most time two hours, I'd say, to do. And then I I've done some prosthetics before, where you go to the special effects lab and they they put a bunch of stuff on you, you know, and right. uh, make a mold and do right. the thing. They had to get one. Had to get one for the. Uh, uh, for Grey's Anatomy, for my, uh, there was some kind of procedure they wanted to do, blah, 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 blah. Right. But I was her uh, psychiatrist, and I thought maybe, uh, I was Grey's psychiatrist for one episode, and um, and I was the, I was the, um, the in-house psychiatrist, and it would have been a nice gig, but it's a, it's a, it's a closed shop over there. <laughs> oh, right yeah and you you mentioned ted which, you know it's a laugh out loud movie uh when when you read the, the script for your part where you're interviewing ted what what was going through your mind because some of the lines he had on there were classic about your wife <laughs> yeah well here's here's how that worked i knew you know, I, I, I knew that he could say anything he wanted to say. Right. Of you know, and I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. So when I auditioned for the role, I, I, I knew that the less I did, the better it would be. Yeah. So I tried to do absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was in the next room for Ted one woman. He was coming up with all these lines. <laughs> he's very, he's very facile. And he was coming up with all these lines and I was, you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, when I came in to do the audition, uh, funny thing. Um, I do the, I do the audition and he goes, that's great. That's fantastic. He said, uh, uh, I, I um, that was great. No, I don't, I don't need to tell you anything. Right. So I, I walk out and uh, the casting director comes after me. He goes, Bill, Bill, Seth wants to talk to you. I said, okay. So I go back in. He goes, listen, I just want to tell you, if I had a contract here right now, I'd give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of knew that was my role. Yeah. And uh, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And uh, uh, didn't have to do much, you know. Exactly. Uh, right. I was astounded at the at the response, and so was Seth uh, at the response to that scene. Oh, he said. Uh, he said to me, 
at two. He said, I can't keep you out of this movie. <laughs> I said, great. <laughs> Do you want to? <laughs> yeah, <right>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the uh, great rap parties at his house. Unbelievable house, yes. My God. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to audition now still, or is it just people book you because they know what you can mm, it's uh no i get uh, i get straight offers more than i audition now uh right. but i still audition if i <laughs> certainly if i want a role yeah uh there are a lot of wonderful actors out there and uh there are a lot of stars who aren't getting the roles they used to get and now they want mine <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> gotta hold them off <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now, going back, like, uh, the process of getting Drew for Life Goes On, how much of your, your background mm. education, how, how did that help you getting that role? Oh, uh, immensely, immensely. Uh, uh, I knew, I knew what prejudice they were suffering right. from before I got there. I knew uh what the causes were i knew uh some families i'd worked with uh, at university of bridgeport i worked with um uh i tutored uh kids and then i took over a class one day and then i got a job as a uh, uh, it was a work study program at Warner's Bras and Girdles. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, they had a corp, they had a company there near Bridgeport, down near there, some railroad avenue or something, mm -hmm. and uh, um, and they had a heat sealing packaging uh, department, and they let uh, it was great of them. They they let a lot of uh, physically and mentally challenged um, kids, adults. Uh, they had a workforce of about 15, 20 people. There was two. There were two um, two counselors there. I was one of them, and uh, we would just supervise them and uh, help them with the heat sealing, make sure nobody got hurt, and you know packaging and things like that. Had a good time. Uh, it was when actually there was. There was a twin. There were twins there that we called Heckle and Jekyll. Mm -hmm. They were <laughs> they were always getting into trouble. It was funny, but uh, um, you know. So you know when I met Chris and Frank and Marion, his mother and father, it was great. Um, and our audition uh, went very well. Patty and I auditioned together at the same time so um i was doing frankie and johnny and Claire de lune off broadway she was doing uh, anything goes at uh, lincoln center and uh, so we never really got to meet uh before that but we met at the audition and we did like shit, we did three scenes together hmm. and then uh and they went very well. I mean, I knew what I was doing. She knew what she was doing. And bing, bang, boom, we were done. And uh, it was great. Very, very, very smooth. You know, I think when the executive producers, uh, Michael Braverman, the creator, and, and uh, I forgot the other guy's name right now, but when executive producers came out, you know, I had to do a, another scene after she left with, um with the executive producer who had the big beard right and he was reading this the quirky scenes right so he's reading the role of quirky and i'm i'm working to him come to find out later i'd have to work to a tennis ball so this kind of helped me but i you know i was playing and i i i felt compelled to reach out at one point and i touched his beard <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it went um it went fine <laughs> and uh it was um it was special it was a special show it was um it's the most gratifying uh work i've ever done as an actor 
I mean, in terms of um, the value that it had for the community and uh, primarily the siblings of these uh, these children that are challenged, uh, we'd get we'd get incredible fan letters from siblings who would say, "I never knew that my that my brother or sister could do this." Right. You know, they were. It was like, hey, they're they're part of our society. Here they are, you know, and uh, it meant a lot. It was truly something that I'll always be proud of, and uh, um, you know, I love those people. They're great. I mean, unconditional love. I mean, you go to any Special Olympics <laughs> event, man. Right. If you don't walk out of there smiling and feeling like you're the luckiest person on earth, man. Forget about it. It's great. I was I was on the International Special Olympics Committee when the International Special Olympics was held in Connecticut. Uh, back, I forget when it was, but I I was met with Tim Shriver, and but it was it was it was terrible. I was working on a movie called The Nick of Time. Okay, yeah, with John Bottom. Yeah, and John wanted to do the uh film in hitchcock style real time which was start at page one and work all the way through the script page to page which is un unheard of but it was an homage to him in some ways but which meant i couldn't go to the to the games which really broke my heart but uh hopefully uh next international olympics somewhere i'll get to uh somewhere hopefully but i love going and uh, i support them and play in the golf tournaments and whatever i can do yeah the, yeah the show was so ground groundbreaking and you know still is today it just you know more people you know should watch it i'm not even sure if it's on any streaming sites or not of dvds but no you know we only made 88 episodes if we'd made one more year it would have gone into syndication. Yeah, that's a shame. I, I I'm surprised that Warner Brothers doesn't see the value of that, um, right. and release it. But maybe uh, there needs to be a campaign. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, especially now with all the streaming sites, you know, there's definitely room for for you know that fantastic show. It really, really. Yeah, I think yeah, I would. I think it'd be great. People ask me about crime stories. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that's on. That's on DVD, I think. I think, I think. But yeah. Oh but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, life life goes on. That was. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think that's up against sixty minutes, right? At, at one time, and which always got the big four years. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's four tough. straight years. We were the only show to come in second place to sixty minutes for four years in a row. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, obviously that was before DVR is where you can re you know record the show and watch it later. You know, right? Yeah, right. big difference. Watch. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, wow. yeah. I remember those years? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. A lot of shows I watch where people would just call always the same time every night, and it's like it's very frustrating because you're trying to watch a show, you couldn't pause it or anything like that. You just watch it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But you obviously played a lot of military men th throughout your uh, career. Uh, one of them, mm -hmm. uh, brief role in Independence Day. And I'm sure you saw, I don't even want to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, the despicable tweet that Trump had where he put his face on Bill Pullman to do the speech of... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. A few God. days ago, yeah. And I did not know that. Yeah, and then in in the crowd he had like you know his uh, family and supporters over the people's faces. There it, it was it was awful. Bill, even Bill, Bill Pullman responded oh. to it, and uh, yeah, it's, it was just unfortunate. But I, I've been, yeah, I know you were part of that movie. It'll be a small part, but that's that's got to be offensive to you, I'd imagine. Oh, it's offensive to me for many reasons, but. Um... Uh, paramount above them is uh you know the, what we have uh for leadership these years 
these days. And it's not leadership, it's we're getting raped. And uh, before, during, hopefully not after. Yeah. Uh, let's, I, uh, I'll tell you this, well, I'm working on a, I'm working on a show with some friends right now. Um, it's called Win the Win Network. Okay. It's called the Right In Network. The Right In Network. And we are going to be uh, pitching our idea very shortly to create a show uh, to across medias, every media, the uh, cell phones, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, but to bring the country together in a unified way to talk about what people want, what they need, why they want that, and why they think they need that. And apart from that will be the first, the first uh, go-round season will be Americans getting to know one another and talking about things that matter to them. And then as we go on in our second season, we're gonna create a write-in program. And all Americans will be able to contribute ideas, uh, facts, myths, and possibly a a new candidate for president of the United States in the next election. Hmm. Yeah. Are you kind of surprised that like after you know, the last election that we did both part, even both parties, because didn't kind of like- well, Both parties are to blame for yeah, all it, yeah, problems. Both are, but they wouldn't kind of think this was rock bottom and kind of come up with a plan. So now in November, we have two old white guys again. Right. I mean, right. Kind of well, I know it's, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to make this a political show, but, no, you know, uh, New York Times, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, you know, but there are a lot of people that like Trump and I don't, I, I, I can't figure it out. I yeah. kind of get it, but uh, I think, um, I think everybody needs to kind of loosen up and, and see what their what their landscape looks like in their local communities. Right. We need to go back to local, not like, come on, support your local people. That's what created uh, wealth in the first place, were people supporting each other in their communities. So what was I saying? Oh, the New York Times last Sunday had a wonderful article about what the uh, Democratic Party kind of pulling together um, the minds of people to f how do we deal with what's the next thing? Right. Not so much him, not so much the opponent, but what's good for the American people? What, how can we move forward from this? Um, and hopefully that will be something that will be positive that comes out of this. Um, we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's hope. Have you like come across like you know working on any production of movie, theater, TV, like an actor who is a Trump supporter? Have you acted differently towards them, or you just sure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't see him much now. Okay, but when they first came, when 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 he was first elected. Um, and now not so much. And I don't think people were so enamored with him as much as they were with the Republican party and getting Obama out of office. Right. And, and now that he was out of office, they saw what, what Trump had wrought and, uh, hopefully they'll come to their senses. But um, yeah, there are plenty of big, uh, big players in, in Hollywood who, who supported Trump. Uh, you know, Hollywood's not the big liberal uh, right. nest. 
that people think it is. Uh, there are a lot of people here with a lot of money and a lot of reason and a lot of want to hold on to it. Right. And uh, so there are motivating factors there. So it's a, um, you know, what can I tell them? I mean, uh, I've tried, uh, tried to tell them this is a lie. That's a lie. This is a myth. This is a fact. Um, and people don't, necessarily care i don't get it so we're going to try to come up with this program give everybody an opportunity to well give every generation there will be three representatives from every generation talking about what's important to them right what do they want can we come together and create what's good for everybody and the future of our country, and not just cycle to cycle. I hope so. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Yeah, definitely for sure. But uh, yeah, one more quite taking up a lot of your time today, and I really appreciate it. But I got one more for you. Um, I enjoy talking to you, Noel. Thank you. Uh, I guess one fictional president to another. Uh, we go from Trump to Harrison Ford, and. Uh, fantastic you know movie air force one one of my favorites probably one of the best supporting casts i think i've ever seen it was just great actors actresses uh you had another military role in there what what was your experience like making that movie oh i had a great time uh, i love glenn yeah uh, uh had a great time with glenn met spencer garrett on that uh on that film like spencer a lot we've been friends ever since okay and uh gary oldman Piece of work, man. He's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't have any uh, encounters with uh, right with, Harrison. Uh, Harrison. Yeah. Uh, you know, we might have lunch or something together, but no, no. The funny thing is, I was supposed to play the W. H. Macy role. Okay. And I. They couldn't get me for those days. So they offered me this role instead in the situation room. Right. And there were situation room and the plane, two different, like two different companies. Right. Right. So, but I had a great time. And uh, uh, Gary made up uh, some wonderful improvs, as I did. Right. Um, this is like um, Wolfgang. Uh, very funny guy. You yeah. know, uh, that's boy. That said, that scene was fantastic, wonderful. Now we do it again. We make it fabulous. <laughs> 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 and uh, he was full of energy. And he goes, "Okay, I need, I need, I need the line here. We got to cover the where we move into this, this other camera move. So I need a little line." So I said, um, so he was asking everybody, I said, mm, we're talking about the baseball glove, president's baseball glove. We need a line about that. I said, okay, um, well, we'll get the president's baseball glove back and play catch with this guy's balls. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. Okay, we'll leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and this one thing, he said, just keep it sotto voce. So I did, some people picked up on it, some people didn't. Right. And then uh, Gary had one where uh, he asked Glenn over the speakerphone. Um, in one scene, he says, what kind of blouse are you wearing? Madam Vice President. And she's, it's silk. <laughs> and uh, so later on in the scene, you know, things are getting tensed up, and he comes back on the line. He goes, How's your blouse now, Madam Vice President? <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. <clears throat> that was an ad lib. And he was right. there on the set when he did it. It was funny. That's great. It was funny. <laughs> That's great. But yeah. I, I love talking to you. This was fantastic. Uh, good luck with your project. And, Thank you. Yeah, and everyone. Put on your TV now. I'm sure one of Bill's roles are on right now. 
Well, God bless you, Noel, and God bless uh, Bridgeport and Trumbull and Stratford and Fairfield and Shelton and Derby and Ansonia and man, all of them. <laughs> exactly. We hope to see you here real soon. Courtship. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. All the best. And a special thanks to Bill for joining me today. Check out his website, billsmitrovich.com, or he's also on Facebook. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at thepersonal019, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. And this episode can also be found on YouTube. Certain select episodes are being made into video ones. This one, a couple other ones, so subscribe to my YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. And go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com. T-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, whatever, it's there. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.